Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we are continuing this series on carols, and we're looking at some of the, uh, the scriptural significance of the songs that we sing every Christmas season. And um, as you picked up by now, this morning we're talking about joy, joy to the world. And um, joy is kind of one of those things... I don't think in, in all of my years of growing up and going to church or even preaching, um, it's not something that gets talked about a lot. And, and yet it's a very significant part of our life in Christ. And, and I think there's a lot of misconception, a lot of confusion, a lot of we're not really sure what it is. It's kind of elusive. I mean, we kind of think we know what it might be. But if you pinned us down to give a definition, eh, it would be a little tougher. And maybe we get glimpses of it, or at least we think we do. We think we feel joy from time to time. For example, um, last Sunday afternoon, when Eric Reed intercepted Russell Wilton's last desperate pass and sealed the game, and the Niners beat the Seahawks, that was a moment of great joy. Yeah, yeah, I was rejoicing. You know, was just that was very, very cool. And you know, you Raider fans. Well, you get a taste every once in a while of that kind of. Now, I, I apologize. I, all the Raider fans are going to start leaving our church. I just pick on them so badly. because It's only because I have been through the lean times as a Niner fan. Okay, I've been there. I know your pain. But there is this thing called joy. And, and we have a sense that it's, it's got to be more than just happiness. There's, there's something more to it. And we're told all throughout Scripture, in fact, over and over and over again, we're talk, told to, to rejoice, um, um, to, to rejoice in the Lord. In fact, um, James, the writer, uh, James wrote, um, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Well, that, those two things don't go together. So we have this sense that joy has got to be more than just happiness. And, and it seems like there's some people that are just naturally joyful. Have you noticed that? There's some people that just have a generally optimistic attitude towards life and just are always smiling, and always happy. And there's other people that seems like life is, seems to always just be a struggle. And you wonder, how can, yeah, it's easy to see maybe where this bubbly personality would, would experience joy, but what about those who struggle, those who have those down times? What is joy to them? So this morning, I kind of want to talk a little bit about joy, and it's taken from the proclamation that the promise that was made through the angels to the shepherds, a very, very pa- uh, familiar passage in your scripture. And um, if you raised in Sunday school, if you're ever part of a Christmas pageant, you probably know this passage by heart. Um, but I want to read it to you this morning. Just listen to this experience. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and a glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby 
who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Good news of a great joy. That's the promise. That's the proclamation. So what is it? What is joy? Is a life filled with joy possible in this world? And if so, how can we experience it? We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. There's some things in this, in this experience that the shepherds had that I think give us a little bit of a clue about what joy is all about. And I want to start with this one thought. That joy is God's answer to our fears. I don't think there is anything that is more of a joy buster than fear. Whether it's, it's the sheer panic of a crisis that you go through or, or just that dread that just seems to hang with you, the worries and anxiety, the what-ifs of this world and this life. But I think there's, there's probably the number one joy buster. There's nothing that squelches joy so much as this fear, anxiety, or dread. Now, we're so familiar with this story that, that, that maybe you kind of lost its, its impact on you. So I kind of want you to just kind of picture the scene a little bit, if you will, that there are these shepherds, and it's the end of a very, very long day, just another ordinary day. Things have kind of settled down, and and, then the sheep are are kind of taking their places. They're kind of bedding down for the night right nearby, and they've got everybody accounted for, and they're sitting around the campfire, and they're, they're just talking about things that shepherds talk about around a campfire. Whatever that might be. I don't know. You ever wondered what do shepherds talk about? I, I kind of was thinking about that this week. I'm like, what, you know, what is it that excites shepherds? And, and I went online and I actually found there is a magazine for shepherds, believe it or not. This is, let me put the cup, Sheep Magazine. It, it's a real thing. I did not make this up. And what excited me, what, what just kind of got me about the whole thing, it's not just Sheep Magazine, it's Sheep magazine with an exclamation point you know it's like who knew she could be so exciting and then here's the topics of discussion big opportunity for dairy sheep how to raise lambs profitably sheep fests enhance flock success who knew i mean that's just exciting stuff if god wants to get the attention of these shepherds he's gonna have to come up with something really really big and he does Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, first thing that says to me is our picture of angels is totally off base. Because if you've got this picture of kind of like I tend to have of angels, you know, the kind of cherubic and kind of little pudgy and rosy red cheeks and little flappy wings kind of a thing, that is not the picture you get of angels in Scripture. They're pretty terrifying creatures. Whatever they look like, the shepherds are just terrified about it. In fact, literally, the translation would be, they were mega afraid. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the prefix. Mega is used in the original Greek language. They were mega afraid. They were terrified of this. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that would cause you great joy. Now, there's our word. 
And what's interesting is that it's almost kind of a word play because they were mega afraid, but the proclamation is, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of mega joy. It's actually how it would be translated literally. That there is an answer to our mega fears, whatever they might be in your life, whatever struggles, whatever uncertainties, whatever things that you know are coming down the road that you're afraid of, or those, those uncertainties, the what-ifs that you don't know how it's going to turn out, but the worry and the dread and the anxiety that hangs with you. There's an answer for that, and the answer for it is a great joy. See, fear can be debilitating. It can absolutely freeze us to a point where we don't know what to do next. We don't know how to handle this circumstance. We've never been through something like this before. Or we have and we know what to expect, and that is terrifying in itself. But the promise of the angels was there is a replacement for your fear, whatever it might be. And God's answer, God's replacement for your fear is this thing called joy. And it has to do with something that is beyond my circumstances. See, this is where joy is different than happiness. Happiness, as its root, has the Latin, it comes from the Latin hap, which is where we get happenings or happenstance. It's about the occurrences of life, the things that we kind of go through, that our happiness is dependent on whatever happens. If good happens, if the Niners win, I'm happy. If they lose, I am not. It's all dependent on the circumstances. And this is where joy is a little bit different. Joy has to do with something far deeper and far more lasting than the circumstances that we might be facing. It's more solid, if you will. It's, it's less capricious. It's the, the best exp- example I can give to it is, is of a woman who goes through the pain of childbirth, but experiences the joy when that baby is laid on their chest. When, when our kids were, when my wife was pregnant with our children, um, we went through the whole um, natural childbirth classes, and, and I became my wife's childbirth coach, which is actually a lot more difficult than you think, women, okay? I just want you to know. I know that women always say, oh, well, you got the easy part. You know, we do the hard work. So you have no idea how hard it is to coach a wife through childbirth, okay? I'm just saying. You got to keep them calm. You got to keep them relaxed and breathing and all that. Yeah. But here's the thing. Now, I have not experienced this firsthand, but I know there is something about that birth that changes whatever pain, whatever discomfort of the pregnancy, whatever else you've been through, that something changes when there is this joy of a life brought into this world. And though I have not experienced that firsthand, I know it's true because women always go on to have a second or third child. That's my proof. You would never do that again if you didn't think it was worth it. That that joy that gets you through the difficulty, that makes it all worthwhile, that's the kind of thing that the Bible is talking about. When it talks about joy, Lewis Smedes writes this. He says, you and I were created for joy. And if we miss it, we miss the reason for our existence. The reason Jesus Christ lived and died on earth was to restore to us the joy that we've lost. 
See, that's God's answer to our fear. So I want to give you a definition of joy this morning. Joy is the settled conviction that God is in control of the details of my life. It's a settled conviction that God is in control of the details of my life, which means that whatever the circumstances might be, there is a settled conviction that God is at work in all of this, that He is in control of my life. If I've entrusted my life into His hands, then joy comes from that sense that I know I'm in good hands, regardless of the circumstances. And that's what Jesus wanted his followers to understand. That he was bringing to them something besides the experience of happiness. Something far, far deeper. That's why some of his last words were his disciples were, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Joy is God's answer to the fears we experience in life. The second part to it, that really joy is our response now to God's grace. See, that's what the good news was all about. The heart of the good news is that God has taken the initiative. He says, I bring to you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. All the people. Not just good news for good people. Not just good news of great joy for decent people or smart people or religious people. For all people. In other words, the announcement is that God is doing something here that has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your achievement. It has nothing to do with your performance. It has nothing to do with whatever it is that you are trying to do to get God to smile at you, to get God to love you. God is doing something that is totally outside your ability to provide it. God is doing something. That's the message of grace. That God has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And there is this intimate connection. Linguistically, there really is between this idea of joy and this idea of grace. They come in Greek from the great same root word. The root word for grace, the word for grace is charis, which is where we get our English word charisma. Where someone just seems to be gifted. They seem to have a certain grace about them that everybody loves. Okay? That's, it's a gift. That's what charis means. The word for joy in the Greek is kara. Same root. And it has to do with a settled confidence in the grace of God. There's actually another word that's closely related to eucharista, which is where we get the English word eucharist or communion that we shared together in this morning. An act of gratitude. That's what eucharista means. That there is this sense that God has done something for which I am incredibly grateful. And the result of that is joy. Ben Patterson puts it this way. He says, joy is what we feel when we are hugely grateful. And that's what you see as the pattern all throughout Scripture. God does something wonderful, and His people in gratitude respond with great joy. He leads his people safely through the Red Sea and they get on the other side and they sing and they dance and they celebrate. And all throughout scripture, that's the pattern. And now what the angel is proclaiming is God is doing his most wonderful work ever. And it doesn't depend on you. It's what God is doing for you. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
See, God knew exactly what we needed. We didn't need a mentor. We didn't need a teacher, although Jesus taught quite a bit. What we needed was a rescuer, a savior, because we couldn't do anything to get ourselves out of this mess. I don't know if you saw it last week. Um, Actually, the event happened back in May, earlier this year, but some of the video from it was just released this last week. And I don't know if you heard the story of um, Harrison Okene. Harrison Okene was a cook on a tugboat, a Nigerian boat, back in May. And what happened was there was this accident. The boat actually ended up turning turtle, going upside down, sinking to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. And everybody on board was killed except for Harrison Okene who somehow, as that boat flopped over, there was a little pocket of air that he found. And he survived in this little pocket of air for three days at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. It's an incredible story. And, 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 and actually, they sent the salvage crew down to retrieve the bodies. I think there were 14 other crew members. All, were per- all perished in this accident. And, and, and if, if you saw the video, it's incredible because it's a video. It's like a helmet cam from the diver. And, and he reaches out because he sees this hand. And he goes to grab it because he thinks it's just another dead body. And he goes to grab the hand. The hand moves. It's an incredible shot. And he goes, there's somebody alive down here. For three days, he was stranded in this little bubble of air in this tugboat upside down in the bottom of the electrical ocean. He could not... He could not save himself. He couldn't hold his breath long enough to get out of the boat and back up to the surface. There was nothing he could do to get himself out of that mess. He needed rescuers because he was helpless and hopeless on his own. And that is a pretty good picture of the human condition. That you and I, when it comes to God, are helpless and hopeless on our own. What we needed was a rescuer. And that's the good news of grace, that God himself has become our rescue. He has come down to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean and found a hand and brought life to the surface. That's the message of grace. And that's what the angels proclaim. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they said, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And that's the good news. God's favor is for you. God's good will is for you. God's good intent, God's good desire is for you and for me. And the only response we can have to that is one of joy and gratitude. In fact, let me me update my definition for you a little bit this morning. Joy is the settled conviction that God is in control of the details of my life and that his intent and desire for me is good. See, it's not just that God is in control of the details of my life, but his desire and intent for me being in control is for my good. Joy comes from that settled conviction that God's in control. And in control, what he wants from me is good. Which brings us to the last action of joy. It's really an expression of a trusting heart. There is an element of faith to joy. Bottom line, joy is a choice. 
Because it doesn't depend on the circumstances. It doesn't depend on what's happening to me. It's dependent upon my choice on how I react to the circumstances that I'm in. It really is an act of faith. Dallas Willard writes this about joy. Joy is not a pleasure, a mere sensation, but a pervasive and constant sense of well-being. Hope in the goodness of God is joy's indispensable support. See, knowing all this information that the shepherds got from these angels, that's all well and good. But there was something for them to do with that information. They made this incredible declaration, this incredible proclamation that God is for you, that today is your rescuer being born. Today, good news of great joy. An incredible announcement. But they needed to do something with that. See, there was a response. It comes as a gift, but there's a choice. There's a response on our part. And that's why they went on and said, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In other words, I told you this so that you could go experience it. We told you this great, great proclamation so that you could go and see it for yourself. And here's the sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Now, that's not much of a sign if you think about it, certainly given all the hype. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got these bright angels, you got this angel choir, you got the bright lights shining all over, you got this huge light show going on. Oh, man, this must be some incredible thing. What's going on? Well, it's a little baby <laughs> wrapped in some cloth, lying in a feeding trough. That's just a little underwhelming, if you know what I mean. And yet... They got to go check it out for themselves. They need to do something. So it says, when the angels left them and were gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And there's the element of faith. You do something with this proclamation. For them, they needed to do something. Not a big thing, but something. They needed to take a step in that direction. There's the act of faith. The song puts it this way. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. See, it really is a choice. The Bible is not naive about the realities of life. You read through the Bible and you read stories of people who experience great pain and great sorrow and great difficulties along with successes and great joys. That's all a mixture. The Bible makes it clear. Scripture makes it clear all through human history. This is the reality of the life we live in. We go through the ups and downs. We experience the highs and the lows. We go through all that stuff. But in the middle of all of it, we have a choice to choose joy. What's interesting about it is that the shepherds go and they find this baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, and there's no sense of disappointment about it. In fact, it says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. See, here's what happened. On an ordinary night, some ordinary shepherds get a picture Behind the scenes of what God is doing. It's almost like God kind of pulls back the curtain for just a moment. And gives them this incredible vision. 
of what he is doing, this great cosmic work that God is doing in this world. And they just get a glimpse of it. Just, just, a, little, just a little peek at what God is doing. And then the curtain's closed and life goes on. The next day they get up and they're still shepherds. And they're still taking care of sheep. <laughs> Not all that exciting. Except for that one brief moment, they got a picture of what it looks like behind the scenes. Chances are, you and I will never get that peak. We will go through our lives, and we will experience successes and failures, and high points and low points, and and thrills of victory and agony of defeat. And we will never get the picture of what's going on behind the scenes but we can still choose joy because we believe that our life is in God's hands, that he is in control of the details of our life and that his intent and desire for us is good. And so we can choose joy. So let me complete the definition for you this morning. Joy is the settled conviction that God is in control of the details of my life, the confidence that his intent and desire for me is good, and the choice that I make to praise him no matter what. That's joy. And it is far deeper and far greater than happiness that is dependent on the circumstances. It is that deep, settled conviction that I can trust him with every aspect of my life. And I will tell you, for looking back on my life as far as it's gone this far, through all the ups and downs and discouragements and successes and joys and failures and all that other stuff, and even in my most darkest moments with depression, there was always this one thing, this sense that my life is in God's hands and and His desire for me is good. And I can trust him. And that thought, that belief, that trust has carried me through so much of my life. And it's brought to me not always happiness, but a deep, profound joy. And that's what God wants for you and for me. Do you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.